This is The Culture. Hello and welcome back to the Cinema Wave podcast. We have a very special topic for you guys today where we are going to extensively cover our collective top 50 list for films that were released from 2000 all the way until 2022. If you haven't seen this list already, you can check it out on our Instagram page, which is at Cinema Wave Media. And you can also check out our own individual lists on there as well. Also, be sure to like, comment, share, and subscribe to us on YouTube, as well as on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Tonight, we have the full crew here. I am Darian Scalamoni. I'm joined by Michael Peniston. Hello. I'm joined by Liz Seiko. Hello. And God miking tonight is our producer, Zach Miller. What's up? So, whoop, whoop. We're going to talk about this, and before we dive into the nitty-gritty of the conversation, I want to just take time to explain the format once again to everybody if you guys didn't see our original uh, video we put out a few months ago now. So basically, we all compiled our own top 50 lists um, of our collective favorite films, top 50 films, from 2000 to 2022. We had a point system, so any film that was in our one through 10, that would be five combined points. Then anything from 11 to 20, four points, 21 to 30 would be three points and so on and so forth until the last 10 in our respective list would be worth one. All those scores were put together. We didn't see anything previously. Like we didn't see our um, our co-host lists beforehand. So then we all put them together. We saw the list. We had a great time reacting to that. And now we're going to react to it in lifetime again with you guys. Um but basically all that was put together and that made our collective list. Um, I'm pretty sure that only two films in our whole entire collective list were on all four of our lists um, that were enough to give it that top 10 spot. And that was our number one and our number two, which we'll get to later on and we'll talk about extensively. Um, the first thing I want to dive into though with all of us individually is within our own top 50 list, there were obviously some omissions because... Some people didn't have it on their lists, and despite it maybe being a three or a four on our list, it still didn't make the list. So um, I think we'll just do one each, and then we'll go back around, and we'll talk about another one. Like, okay. I'll do one. Cool. So number 21 on my list was my favorite comedy of all time, and it's super bad. Uh, I don't know if anybody else in this room has seen it. Um, it is a uh, Judd Apatow picture, I believe, but Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg also produced, and... Um, sort of like a big coming out party for Jonah Hill and for Michael Sarah being in the spotlight and McLovin is like an iconic pop culture character. And to me, it's just like, just every single time I watch the movie, I like belly laugh and it's so quotable. And I actually saw something on social media recently that said they did like a science experiment at a university and it was picked the most hilarious movie ever made, which was interesting. I saw that afterwards, but, um, has anyone else in here seen super bad? Well, of yes. course, yes, okay. yes, great yes. movie. Okay, it's so actually, it's it's my number forty-three. Okay, so it yeah, made Liz's list. list. It didn't make either of your guys's list. It didn't make right? my list. No. no. Okay, so the one thing that I would say about our collective list that I wish we skewed a little bit more towards is uh, we have like no real pure comedies. I feel like on our collective list, I'd have to look oh, at on, it like, again. Oh, on like all of ours? Yes. Yeah, like the collective um, list. Yes. Scrolling through really quick. We're a very dramatic bunch, obviously, <laughs> and we really like to have our hearts torn out and thrown on the ground and stepped on. Oh yeah, oh, um, yeah the realest of real. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, some some of the animated ones that made it, you could say, are like more family animated. comedy. Like this is more of like a raunchy, R-rated, like mm -hmm. in the heart of when comedy was still really 
pushing in the theaters too like i feel like i haven't seen a really really good comedy in the movie theater in a long time yeah and i'm a bit disappointed because i do feel like on my personal list there were a few comedies that i feel like not worth talking in this podcast but comedies that i feel like probably should have been on that list now Mm -hmm. that i think about it for the sake of just like for what they did for just comedy yeah um but yeah, no, you're, it's it is a bit surprising now that I'm thinking about it that we didn't have more. Yeah, on there. but at least so two of us picked that movie, so I'm not in the complete dark with that. Um, Michael, what's one of the films that was on your top fifty list that um, you were surprised or you were upset didn't make it on the overall list? So number forty eight on my list, I had Swiss Army Man, which is a uh, it's a movie directed by the Daniels, written directed by the Daniels. Um, they recently directed um, Everything Everywhere All at Once. Um, which was on all of our lists. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like it, it was a shame that Swiss Army Man didn't make the list. That was um, one of their first feature films. Um, it starred uh, Daniel Radcliffe and uh, Paul Dano. And um, I, I, I just feel like it kind of like set the, it set the stone as far as the Daniels. Mm-hmm. And not just that, I feel like they're so good at taking such serious topics and applying such like wit and joke and comedy to it and still like staying true um to you know that serious topic um of which they did in Swiss Army's Swiss Army Man um not only that the performances I'm a big Paul Dano fan I hope I'm saying his name right Paul Paul Dano right Paul Dano yeah Paul Dano yeah I'm a big big fan of his and then I'm a big fan of Daniel Radcliffe's um and in that movie um he plays a dead body the entire time uh, and so a corpse a literal I, corpse yes and the way they use they use him and you know they it's it's honestly I think it's it's really smart and so um I, I feel like it could have it could have made the list it could have you know there's again um, there's a few movies I'm content with just being in my own list, not like it doesn't have to be in a collective group. It's fine, it's whatever. Um, but that was one for sure. I think could have made the collective list. Okay. Has anyone? Have you guys seen that movie? I have seen Swiss Army Man. I have two. You have two. You guys yeah. Have. I'm surprised you've yeah. seen it. Real okay. I feel that I feel that it's. Uh, it, I love the originality of it, mm. and like I do. I agree with what you were saying in terms of being like somewhat of a stepping stone, getting to everywhere, everything, mm. everywhere, all at once. But to me, it's like so wild that i i can't get on board with it like but i i I respect the originality of it and you can see you can see daniel's like crafting their skills i think watching swiss army man and everything everywhere all at once is a double feature might be like really valuable especially for like cinema classes like to see how they have like all these wild ideas that come in swiss army man and then they're able to they're because everything everywhere all at once is a multiversal wild spectacular movie Mm -hmm. but they're able to take the originality of swiss army man and kind of balance it somewhat and everything everywhere all at once you know what i mean percent and i i think that's that i like how you said originality um I, that's something I, had, I didn't think about before but i think that that's why i do have you know movies like this and um eternal um and um everything 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 everywhere all at once in my list just because i feel like you don't see a lot of that originality anymore you know it's it's something that is it's it's rare to see and so i think that that's why it's so striking you know, it's so like, oh man, that needs to be higher. It's because it is just like a rare sight. Yeah, so yeah. they do it well. They do it really well. Did any of you guys have anything to say about it? Um, that is one of those movies that unfortunately I cannot remember the plot of it for my life. <laughs> All I remember is him is like Daniel Radcliffe just being a corpse and like, like 
what it, what was he like going over the water like while farting to be like a human boat or something like yeah. that that is like the only thing that i remember so it's kind of like a fever dream to me. that movie is like a fever dream. it's literally like a fever dream i couldn't tell you what the plot is like absolutely have no clue besides him being a corpse that's like a survival kit yeah yep yeah that's practically what it is so i have no other input <laughs> that guy's a good one no, I'm. I'm just gonna. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll punt. We'll punt over to Liz okay. for her first one that uh, she okay. wishes was not omitted. Um. So this one, it's more that I'm kind of surprised that it didn't make the list. Um. Is Black Swan, because uh, Darren Aronofsky, um, Natalie Portman, very dark psychological thriller film that I feel like got a lot of, um credit and hype when it first came out so i was just kind of surprised that it didn't really make the list i don't know if it's a good you pick. guys yeah. watched it or if it's on your list i've only seen parts of it Why? but i love what i've seen because i was watching it on tv one day and then i had to leave and i never wow, returned to it disrespect which was, i know really disrespectful we do have a darren aronofsky movie that made the list um but i think her performance is like amazing in it. Mm-hmm. based no, it's on crazy. what i saw i think um but that's I, why i didn't make my list i would i would think have you seen it, Michael? I've seen it. Also, I've only seen parts of it. And again, the parts I've seen are, are really good, but it's mostly the performances that mm-hmm. I've seen. Um, I don't know if that's like a majority of that movie, um, but I've seen the performances and those, I think, were shot really well. Yeah. Where was it on your list? It was number 30. Number 30. Okay. So it cracked your top 30. Zach, you have anything on Black Swan? Yeah, I love Black Swan. Um, I think that it... I, it might be Natalie Portman's career best performance. She won the Oscar for it. Yeah, yeah it did. could be next to Jack. I mean, Jackie was great too, but Black Swan, she goes to lengths that I haven't seen her really do much in her career. Mm-hmm. And the way that they uh, toil a lot of the greed in the industry and entertainment and then this very surreal perspective and intertwined uh, towards the end is very cool and very original so i i love that movie too liz i, I actually agree that's a great pick to have in, in this list but yeah. zach do you uh you have your next one your one that didn't make the top 50 yeah so i have um city of god it's a uh portuguese movie technically um but it's um set in brazil it toils with a lot of youth and basically centers around this one kid who's a photographer he's raised right in brazil it's in rio de janeiro um it follows a lot of kids who end up becoming gangsters at like 10 years old and they're literally killing people in the street there's one kid who becomes this like evil evil person so young and it's about just being raised a certain way and you know if you go a certain route you can end up a really bad person and then just the effects of an environment on youthful people and it's like super critically rated so i checked it out i think last year or two years ago and it was amazing so it's some of the best piece of filmmaking like you might see in the last 20 years so yeah, that's that was I 2002 definitely... right that movie yeah, came out? yeah yeah i put that in my 15 over 20 years ago yeah and it was i mean it was just a thrill ride of emotion and everything else that had it going for it for a foreign film too at that point you know there's especially portuguese films i can't even name you another portuguese film off the top i don't think of my i head. can either so, i love the intensity yeah. of foreign films 
I feel like there's a there's a different like veracity to the way that not only the way that the stories are, but the way that they're filmed, right? And the yeah. like it, it feels so much more like run and gun. Like it reminds me of like, I mean, I'm not a like foreign film aficionado, but like the way Robert Rodriguez used to film things back in the day, like when he did like El Mariachi and and Dust Till Dawn. Like it reminds me of like that run and gun sort of style. And I've only seen, unfortunately, I've only seen like the trailer for City of God multiple times, and I haven't watched it, but I do want to watch it, and I hear really great things about it. Have you guys seen it? No. I haven't seen it also, um, but I do appreciate um, the fact that you did that put a foreign um, film in your list. Um, I just, I, I feel like, I don't know, like again, I don't know, I only know a few, like a handful of foreign foreign films, and I do feel like if I knew more, a lot more would have been in, in my own list and should have probably been in that list as well. Um, but A City of Gods, that's, that's one that I definitely would love to... Well, the three of us have to check it out, I guess. Yeah. I guess Thank I gotta go watch it. For yeah. that one. Um, we'll do quickly one more that didn't make our top 50 list. Um, mm. I wanted to talk for a second about Moneyball. Moneyball is a movie that's like very near and dear to my heart. I'm a huge, huge baseball fan. Aaron Sorkin is like my favorite screenwriter ever. He wrote the film. Uh, Bennett Miller directed it, who also has done. Um, he did Foxcatcher. And uh, what did he do? He did Bronson, right? I think he might have done Bronson, Bennett Miller. But that was one that was nominated for a bunch of Academy Awards. Brad Pitt plays Billy Bean, a guy who was a really high draft pick in the MLB and didn't make it. And then he winds up being the general manager of the Oakland Athletics in the um, early 2000s. And they're striving to compete with all these big money teams like the New York Yankees. Like um, I forget who else was like big budget back then, but the Dodgers. Yankees, the Dodgers. Yeah. But they were taking a lot of their players away and they have to kind of overcome all the odds. But it's... It's so much more than a baseball movie, and that's why I think it's it's very prestige and it's very like dramatic. And they're able to the score too, which is incredible. Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross do the score for it, and that movie just like that that movie makes me get chills like every single time I hear the score, every single time I see certain scenes because it just feels like it's an it's a true underdog story and it's based on a true story. They go on like this twenty-one win a game win streak, which is like the most ever, and it's it's just a remarkable movie. I don't know. Have you guys seen Moneyball? I I feel like I have, but I don't remember. Okay, Brad Pitt is like the is the big star in it, but Chris Pratt's in it like way before he was Chris Pratt. Mm-hmm. Um, Robin Wright plays his ex-wife in it. Is there any? Oh, Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill was nominated for it too, and he plays the kind of analytics guy that comes in and helps. Oh, and uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh, Philip Seymour, yeah. the late great Philip Seymour Hoffman plays Art Howe, the uh, the manager of the team as well. Have you seen it? I've seen parts of it. I've seen parts okay. of it. I saw parts of it in class actually. So weirdly enough, in our class, but... like back in high school. Uh, I think it was our class actually. That would make sense. Nap's a big baseball fan. Yeah. Shout out Nap. <laughs> Shout out um, I've seen it. I can definitely add to your. Yeah, um, go go on ahead if you just, want. Just well, not not that much, but same feelings. Like it was, I like I was raised on a lot of baseball too, and just the the heart that is involved with that movie, and then you know from come like it is an underdog story, so you're constantly rooting for Billy and his team, and just these guys to become great, and then just the love and appreciation for the sport so um that really bleeds through and then the, the writing keeps you super engaged too it could be a totally boring movie on paper but sorkin keeps you consist- uh, consistently engaged with uh his writing um also to add bennett miller did capote 
Capote. Uh, that was his other. Yes. Yeah. Which Philip Seymour so Hoffman won the Oscar for. Thank you. But. Thank you, producer Zach. <laughs> um, Michael, uh, you got one more that didn't make the list. Yeah. Um, I would also say that Dick Johnson is dead. No, my number 28 is uh, another pit that I think should have made the list. That is a documentary um, d- written and directed by Kirsten Johnson. Um, it uh, is a film about uh, her father. And her father basically gets diagnosed with cancer, I believe. Um, and um, he's given a certain amount of days to live, essentially. Um, and she basically makes this film um, with him where they film like over 50 different case scenarios of him dying. And oh so it's God. like, yeah, it's so it's and it can be as crazy as like you like the movie literally starts. The documentary literally starts with him walking down the street. And a um, air conditioner just lands on him from like a the top of like a skyscraper, and he dies. And then you like see they like call cut, and then like you see it's like a whole action, like it's like a whole uh, scene, and it's like it's like one of those things where it catches you off guard. But it's I was like never really a documentary guy to be honest, and um, I had the uh, the honor of getting to watch this film. She showed it, um, Kirsten, um, in one of uh, my classes up at Rutgers um, back then. And um, and I remember this is I think that this is a biased pick to be honest. Um, but <laughs> it sounds but super engaging. Yeah. It's very definitely definitely worth the watch. Um, but I remember I just got to have a conversation um with Kirsten afterwards, um, like a little Q and A, and um, the way that she kind of just covered death was something that I'd never seen done, especially in like a documentary. Um, and I don't know, it just kind of resonated with me really well. Um, and so I feel like, um, it, it should have been on the list one, because we definitely should have put a documentary on the list. That's I a fair like, point. I feel like go. we probably That's should have put opinion. Yeah. We should have <laughs> <a> Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, I just feel like if we were to have put one, it would have been that one. Okay. Sure. Yeah. I like that. I don't know if you guys, you guys haven't seen no, it. I have not seen it, right? I think we should all watch this and then talk about it. I think that we sounds should really cool. Maybe we'll do it for a rewatch. Yeah. Yeah, I, agree. For sure. I, I agree. like that. I like that. Mm. Liz? Um, my next pick, which this one I will say was robbed. Absolutely. <laughs> and I'm not being, I'm not being sarcastic. I'm not being facetious. Um, Requiem for a Dream, another Darren Aronofsky film. Okay. Which, is he your favorite filmmaker? Uh, he's just his films really stick in my head, and I can remember them very well. It's a very visceral experience watching yeah. one of his movies. Scarring, honestly. Yeah. Every one of his films. I've never seen Requiem for a Dream, and I, I want you to have your flowers. But my brother told me he watched this film at a young age, and it scarred him for life. Well, it is definitely not a film for like young children to watch. Well, I at think he all. was like, I think he was like maybe eighteen. But, I mean, like the way they they sh- go ahead. You, yeah, you so go. I'll say like I saw this for the first time when I was in college and I was with like a bunch of like my acting friends and we were like, "Oh, let's put on a movie tonight and just like hang out and like have some drinks." And somebody just randomly was like, "This has a great score. Like, let's watch Requiem for a Dream together." And when I tell you, we all at the end of it were like, "So I'm going to go home. Um, I'm not going to hang out for the rest of the night and see you guys later because this movie really uh, just it's trauma. It's trauma in it's like worse forms and really makes you just sad for like people in life. And is it all based in drug addiction? Not. I mean, yes, but it's not. It's very colorful. I would say how he shows it. He doesn't show it just as in like 
personality changes and like cold sweats mm. he shows it in like an extraordinary and like visceral experience of and it's for, fully from the point of views of the uh actors and the characters who are in this like drug addiction so it's not you're an outside perspective being able to see like oh they have a drug problem it's you the point of view of the person who has the drug addiction and doesn't realize that they have it so it's crazy and only watch it if you are ready to to I don't know just just cry. <laughs> oh my god! But ha- so Zach, you haven't seen it either. No, I really. It's been on my list and not for good reasons. Obviously, no, it's because great, of the though. subject matter. It's a great matter, movie. It's a really great but, movie. But I will say, like, don't go, don't go out after. Don't have plans. Yeah. Don't have dinner plans after. Wow. I'm just going to snack and cry. Yeah. It's maybe not even a cry. It's more of like. You just feel like weird inside probably, right? Kind of. It's one of those things where the credits end up rolling throughout the whole thing because you're just staring at like the ceiling and are like, (laughs) oh my God, what did I just watch? And then you need like a whole day before you actually start talking about it because you can't. Doesn't I'm it make so you want like, my pitch makes you I'm want like to go scared. watch it, doesn't it? Like <laughs> I'm like even more scared. But anyways, that was my twelve. That was my number oh, 12. that was high on, high on my oh, list. Okay. That's why I'm really so surprised. One we have to get to watch. We gotta have some some wave movie nights. We do for sure. Um, Zach, your uh, last one that didn't make the list. My last one is another foreign film. Um, it's another round. It it is uh. With oh, Matt's I want to see it so bad, dude. Go. It's on Hulu. Wait, what's the name of it? I missed it. Another round. round. Oh, okay. It won the Oscar for best international film like two or three years ago. I think it was during COVID. Oh yeah, the 2020. Then it was released before COVID, but it qualified for that year of Oscars. Um, but so it's a dramedy, and it starts off in a comedic tone where. These four childhood friends, they're all grown up and they're reuniting and they decide to do this experiment with um, drinking every day and in their own environments. Like one of them is a school teacher. One of them is uh, I can't remember all their roles, but they all have their own jobs and they start drinking in all of these scenarios just as a fun experiment to see how far their body limits can go. And then it starts to take a turn for the worse because it, it integrates into all of their lives in poor fashions and it, it has effects on their relationships. But then a lot of the major overarching theme is to enjoy life to the fullest and just do the most with what you have and the time that you have with the people you have. So the ending is great. I, I loved it. It's It's a very heartfelt movie. It has a lot of familial heart to it and um that was my pick for sure can you remind me what country that movie came from uh so i looked it up on imdb and it it had three listed but the major one was denmark that's what i thought and the director was thomas vintenberg it's so is it in it's in danish it's not yeah yeah it's it's, i think that's what it says some english yeah but most of it is danish yeah um well it's available on hulu yes go check it out so we're gonna have to watch that one i'm probably gonna do it as a wreck pretty soon okay. <laughs> all right so let's finally let's, dive, let's dive in. into the let's top get 50. into this all right so i will read off um 50 through 41 on our collective list and then we'll uh we'll talk a little bit about uh, about some of them and then dive extensively on some others number 50 on the list was meet the robinsons that's from 2007 um number 49 was chronicle from 2012 
We have One Night in Miami from 2022. That was 48. Number 47 is The Lobster from 2015. Number 46 is Garden State from 2004. Number 45 is Me and Earl and the Dying Girl from 2015. Number 44 is Moonrise Kingdom from 2012. Number 43 is Atonement from 2007. 42 is The Wrestler from 2008. And number 41 is Inside Out from Pixar from 2015 at number 41. So um, there's a couple we were going to talk about extensively. Let's start with number 50. It's a good place to start. Uh, When we dropped number 50, there was some pause. There were some people in our audience that were very surprised to see this. And there were three people in this room. They were very surprised to see it on the list. <laughs> My jaw dropped. Because Michael <laughs> Peniston, our very own, had this film listed. Where did you have this ranked in your list? Remind uh, me. I can. It was very high. What's? It was. I don't have them. Uh, here I have we go. it. Up. So you had it number nine. So this was within your top ten. Number nine. And yes. wait, that's crazy. none of us. <laughs> not only did none of us. Uh, have it on our list. I don't know if any of us even even considered it. Now, I haven't seen it. (laughs) I say that in the most respectful way possible. Now, I haven't seen this film. It led to a really great... Oh, you've uh, never seen it? I've never seen Meet the Robinsons. Oh, okay. But it led to a really great listening session to uh, I was gonna Rob say, Thomas. You guys want to give us a little... Yeah, yeah, wonders. A little oh, no, no, no sampling. You guys will have to check um, the After Hours special for that. Um, but... I was so ready for that. Man. So... Michael, please, the floor is yours. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Meet the Robinsons. Uh, yes, Meet the Robinsons. Maybe another very biased answer, <laughs> um, but I genuinely feel like considering it is an animated movie, it is a kid's movie, it is one of some of the best screenwriting I have ever seen in my entire life. Whoa! I, a big statement. I, and I remember being a kid watching this movie and being like, holy shit, this is one of the best <laughs> movies. Michael is an eight-year-old <laughs> child. Yelling holy, holy shit on the screen. This, this is, is legit. <laughs> no, but like, like seriously, I just feel like in the the sense of just time traveling and and just like um having like a story kind of like come full circle, you know, like that's the best way I can describe it. Um that movie I feel like is the epitome of of that. I feel like this movie um it just it just does things that, you know, I've seen like real life real life movies yeah, yeah. like about time travel, like not be able to you know, really get that down, honestly, the same. And then, honestly, just the emotion of this film is, is what also, I think, really, really makes it a, just a re- truly special movie. Um, but, again, it's really just the screenwriting. Like, mm. I don't know if words could truly do it justice. <laughs> um, you might all just have to watch it. Say, you're just saying you have to go watch you it. You have to go watch it. You do. Um, and there's some great music in it as well. And so, yeah, I, that's... Did you see this film right when it came out in 2007? Like, did you see this in the theater? Or was this one that you saw a couple of years? Like, do you remember? I, I, no, honestly, I don't remember the first time I watched it. But I think it was, like, I, like, might have gotten a DVD of it. I was definitely, like, below the age of 10 okay. when I watched it for the first time. And, and But, again, like, like, even then I knew it was. I think it's cool that it was that high on your list, though. Because I feel like each of us have a movie that hits us when we're younger, too. Especially... It usually seems to be an animated film. Like for at least for me, it's like Tarzan. Like and for me, it's like the score. Mm-hmm. 
like every single piece of music in that movie to me just takes me back to the first time I saw that movie. Um, so the fact that the writing had such a such an impact on not only where you were then, but where you are now, I think I think that's cool. I have to see the movie. I mean, I have I have no opinion it. because I haven't seen the movie yet. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, so it's it's definitely definitely worth the watch. Um, okay. Liz, did you have something to add about Meet the Robinsons? Um, this actually, I will, I will give credit to Michael. I'm pretty sure my younger sister like loved this movie as a, a kid because I just remember her. I just remember her having it on all the time, but I personally didn't really connect respond to, to it. Respond to it, <laughs> okay. in the way that others do. I just don't really remember it that well. Like I remember like walking into the room and like seeing like clips of it, mm-hmm. but um. Like I remember the guy with like the bowl hat, right? Yes. That like turns into like the spider. <laughs> yes, yeah. and it's like so, his, yeah. but it's his. I can't, I can't <laughs> spoil it. <laughs> this this spoil movie it. reminds Whoa. me of the same vein of animated movie uh, of like ro- you guys remember robots? Robot. Yeah. yeah. See, like robots was a movie that I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. I might have been the same, and I'm very curious. Do, do you know this was a Disney movie? This was a Disney movie. But it wasn't a Pixar movie. It no, was it a was Disney, Disney animation, Disney right? Animation, yeah. So, yeah, because I remember – the thing I remember about this movie, again, ironically, going back to Rob Thomas, I remember, like, watching Disney Channel as mm-hmm. a kid because mm-hmm. I think this movie came out when I was 12. And watching Disney Channel and seeing them pr- trying to promote the movie, but they would show those little vignettes of, like, the songs that were coming out. Oh, so man. it was Little Wonders and they were showing clips from the movie. Like, that is the most distinct <laughs> memory I have of Meet the Robinsons. Yeah. So. Yeah, no. I just, I, I genuinely feel like that movie can hold against an argument as far as why children move, children's movies should not be overlooked. I honestly, I feel like people tend to rank them in like a. The lower tier, yeah, just because yeah. you know they're they're considered movies for children in some cases, but like no, some of them look at Pixar. Some some animation is is great, great content. So well, I'm proud that we have as many animated movies on this list, even if we might have left off some documentaries or some foreign films. <laughs> unfortunately, Zach, did you have anything you wanted to add, or uh, I would just uh, go right for the soundtrack alone. Yeah, Rob Thomas. Oh, Rob yeah, Thomas yeah. is a legend. Yeah. We love <laughs> Rob Thomas here on the Cinewave <laughs> podcast. Um, so the next one we wanted to highlight really quick was um, The Wrestler. The Wrestler. So that's uh, that was our number 42. And I'm just double checking. So I know it was high on Zach's list. Zach, if you want to start talking about it, while I just do a little. Let me see yeah, if it was on my list. Real, so it uh, wasn't on my list. Number six for me. Okay, that's why. So All that's right, so. why I was. Now I have yeah. seen the wrestler, Liz. You I have not. You've not, and Michael. You I have not. You have not. All mm-hmm. right. So Zach, why don't you go off, King, and uh, you can keep the camera on me, and I'll just react as much as I can. Yeah, good reactions. I hope. Yeah. <laughs> so the wrestler, um, I just I heard about this movie. I mean, I've heard about this movie in school. I've heard about this movie beforehand, but t- this year I finally told myself I was going to see it. And Mickey Rourke gives this amazing character study performance of Ronnie the Ram, who is this retired, washed-up, backyard wrestling ring um, dad, basically. He is like just quintessential what you would picture of a, wrest- a pro wrestler just in these backyard rings of like, you know, he's just trying to get by. He's making 150 bucks or something like a a, a match. And he's just down in his luck, but he loves the sport and he loves doing it for people, loves the spotlight. And 
the basically it is a character study, but it follows him through his relationships, navigating how he's neglected his daughter, how he can't find his place um, because his wife is gone. He he didn't put a lot of care into his relationships. Um, and there's just so much that this film offers that he just can't stay out of the spotlight. And he really focuses on just the spotlight instead of the people around him. And it's very damaging to everybody around him. So DJ, did you have anything else? Yeah, I remember. So I'm a, I've been a big professional wrestling fan, like my whole entire life. So I know one of the biggest appeals of me seeing like an art house movie like this when I, when it came out in 2000, I think I might've seen maybe the year after it came out, 2009. Um, was that it was a movie based on wrestling. And I was like, oh, there's no, like, they don't make movies about wrestling, like, especially not, like, scripted dramas. I didn't know anything about Darren Aronofsky at that mm-hmm. point. And um, I didn't know much about Mickey Rourke because Mickey Rourke had been out of the spotlight for a very long time at this point. And it's, like, a perfect match, I feel like, between the two, between him and Aronofsky and how much of a character study this is and using that as a backdrop because, as Zach was saying, he's just this down-on-his-luck guy and there's complete perpendiculars in his life because when he steps out into a ring the people love him and he has this Hulk Hogan effect to him like like uh, in the past which I don't think that there's like no flashbacks in this I don't think um, no. but I think he even like even his walkout music might be I'm a real American which was Hulk Hogan's theme song but like there are elements of he just wants to be recognized for being this guy that at one point in his life was larger than life and he's never been looked that way, looked at that way by his daughter, who's played by Evan Rachel Wood, and she does a great job in it. Marissa Tomei plays a um, a stripper that he has a relationship with, um, and she's great in the film as well. But the movie, like Dex, is like a pure character study, and it's very interesting to see it in the backdrop of professional wrestling. Um, it didn't make my list. It was one that I think was right outside the top fifty for me. Um, but I, I, I love this movie. Is it something that sounds interesting to either one of you guys? Uh, yes, just because it's Darren Aronofsky. So I feel like I'm going to go watch it. Um, the actual story, I didn't know that it was like completely about like his relationship with like retiring and then also like his family. I thought it was more just like literally wrestling wrestling yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah oh, no, it's they, less it's, yeah. yeah so which i like it, a lot more. It, it, it's it's more of a something now that i'm interested in knowing that okay yeah because mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of um just the the wrestling is like it's really not about like okay he has to win x amount of matches like rocky like yeah. you know he's not going for that final match like okay and then i win all the prize money he's kind of just trying to find his way back into the spotlight and then you know like dj was saying he he was recognized as this great wrestler he was an example for people he was an inspiration for some kids Mm -hmm. like oh they used to play with my action figures and stuff like that but now he's retired there's another big part of the plot that i didn't add is like he has a heart condition and a health condition oh yeah oh okay and they're basically telling him like you should probably not keep wrestling or it could be damaging to Mm -hmm. you and he's like, I don't know if I can do that. And he's basically literally living in a van. And he's like, I can't stop doing this because wow. I, I love it so much. And this is all I have left. And it's some so. of his income. Like there's a really um, like really emotional scene. At least like, again, for someone who knows the professional wrestling business, where like he's at this like it's not even like a convention. He's like in a random room 
and he's signing eight by tens for people and he like takes a moment to look around and there's like nobody there there's yeah. like seven total people that are coming it is and it, again the darren aronofsky effect yeah like, it's great he's able to make you feel so isolated mm-hmm. and empty in these in these character-based stories but anyway um michael yeah. was there anything you wanted to add or something interested in seeing the movie or no i was just gonna say that i definitely i definitely more interested sim honestly just even knowing now that it's like a true character study um i'm a big fan of character studies and so i feel like i'm yeah i'll I'll definitely watch okay all right another one for the cinema wave movie night um all right we're gonna dive into this is now uh 40 through 31 so uh preface this by saying our number 40 is harry potter and the deathly hallows part two which came out in 2011 um that as well as one you'll hear later on in the list we sort of did as like the best that we could as a compilation for uh a full franchise it's very hard to i mean if it was up to I feel like a lot of us here, we'd probably put a lot of the Harry Potter movies in the top. It would 15. have been my like number one through. There's eight films, one so through eight. One through eight. <laughs> there you go. So we we did we just settled on uh, Deathly Hallows Part Two that came out in 2011. That was number 40. Um, our number 39 film was Mad Max Fury Road. That was in 2015. Number 38 is There Will Be Blood from 2007. Number 37 is Memento from 2000. Uh, number 36 is Avengers Infinity War from 2018. Number 35 is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, also from 2018. Then we have Little Miss Sunshine from 2006. That comes in at number 34. We have Ex Machina in 2014 as number 33. Number 32 is Guardians of the Galaxy from 2014. And then number 31 is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That is from 2019 from Quentin Tarantino. So, um, there's a couple we want to, we want to highlight. Let's start with, um, Mad Max, Mad, I Mad said, Max. I did it again. Mad Max, <laughs> Mad Max Fury Road, um, which is from George Miller. Um, this film took, how many years did this film take to make? Oh, An insane amount of years and insane amount of blood, sweat, and just, in my opinion, it's the greatest action movie ever made. And I think it was number three on my list. I want to double check. Um, it was number three on my list. That's so, wild. And I saw this film last year, so I was behind the eight ball on it a little bit. Okay. And I had heard for so long, people were like, it's going to change your life. It's going to change your life. You'll never you'll never see another movie like this. And it, it's one of those movies where I was sitting down and I was watching it and it's like what you see in cartoons where like your eyes are going in a million different directions because there's so many things happening and the editing is so fast paced and the camera work is so remarkable, but it pissed me off that I didn't see it in theaters. Now I was just about to ask like, you that. I like, and that's why I, I genuinely believe if I saw this movie in theaters, it might be my favorite movie of all time. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's, it was such an insane viewing experience and the world, just the world building in general. And the crazy thing is I've never seen any of the Mad Max movies that came previously, but you don't need to. It's a whole different character. See, it's a whole I different story. I didn't even story. know that there were other films before this yeah. one. Yeah. So the first one, the first two or three had uh, Mel Gibson as the star, I think. Whitney Houston plays the villain in one of them. What? Or no, Tina Turner. I'm sorry. It's oh, Tina Turner. I was going to say. Tina Turner, like, Tina Turner Houston. plays the villain in one of them. <laughs> um, But yeah, so I saw this movie, I think last year or maybe the year before that. And I just remember being able to take away so much from a um a filmmaking perspective because everything about it 
like I said, the editing, the camera work, um, the direction, like they went through how many IMAX cameras to film this movie, like, like 25 that were just destroyed because they just had all these, they built all these rides or, um, they built all these insane cars from like this apocalyptic universe and they would blow them up Mm. and like, there would be cameras rigged to them and the cameras would blow up with them and like, we got the footage, right? It's like, it's all practical. Insane. Yeah. Yeah. And, And almost the whole entire film was practical. So, it's one of the greatest viewing experiences of my life. If I saw it in a theater, it might be my favorite movie ever. It was number three on my list, and it made it in the 30s on our list. So, Zach, did you want to add to it a little yeah, bit? Yeah, I was going to say this, this was one I did forget to put on there because I did see it too. It was, it was I do remember us having a conversation yeah. about it afterwards. And I was like, yeah. oh, man, you're right. <laughs> yeah. totally forgot about it is that. a really, really great movie. Um, neither of you guys have seen it, I right? I've never seen it. Okay. You guys have to see it. Has to, has to catapult to the top of your list. Um, I know another one we wanted to touch on briefly because it was high up on her list was Little Miss Sunshine. Just really quickly. Oh, okay. Liz. Um, I love this movie. <laughs> <laughs> this is actually my number one pick. And this is because... <laughs> <laughs> because... Okay, so when we were doing these lists, I did it fully as like films that just like I enjoy. I wasn't like, ooh, technically is this a good film? Like Yeah, we don't uh, want to be snobby. Cin- yeah, like I really took it out it. of it. I mean, that's why I have like burlesque as my number fifty pick. Like I was just doing like homage to my heart. <laughs> um and Little Miss Sunshine is it's just one of those movies that I saw when I was younger. And for me it is the perfect like comedy drama. It is the funniest moments um, with Steve Carell and you're just cracking up. But then all of a sudden it is a super flip of like family drama at its core and like trying to survive. And then also like young uh, children like coming to terms with like death for the first time, but like in a very um, lighthearted way. Um, and I just think it's great screenwriting. I think it's super funny, super entertaining. And I feel like there's the characters are wild in this, like super quirky. Um, awesome cast. Yeah. Incredible cast. Super young. Like this was like, when was it? 2006. So I feel like a lot of them, this is when people were just starting to recognize them too. Mm. Um, I love it. I think I actually watched it maybe like a year ago and I still think it holds up. Um, I love it. It is a great movie. It is a good movie. Rest in peace to Alan Arkin, by the way. Mm-hmm. Passed away recently. He won an Oscar for that movie. Um, it's also he- just so funny. Like, the concept of, like, this family who's, like, young, like, little girl just wants to be in a pageant. And so they go hardcore across the country just to get her in this beauty pageant. And I'm not going to give any spoilers, but when they finally make it to the beauty pageant, all hell breaks loose. It's so great. It's chaos. <laughs> Is there is Paul? Paul Dano's in it too. He, have I've seen, seen this movie? I haven't seen it, but I've seen one scene from this that now okay. Now so, it kind of so you need to now go watch the full the thing. whole movie. I do. <laughs> I do. Exactly. What was the scene that you saw? Can I, I have a guess. Uh, it, it's definitely like the biggest moment, probably for his character. For his character, yeah. for Dano's character. Yeah. Yes. yes. The scene when you find out 
that he can't become something. Yes. No spoilers. I don't want to give a spoiler. Or maybe should I? I, think, I mean, this movie's been out for a long if, time. If I'm going to give a spoiler. So get out if you haven't <laughs> seen it yet. Just fast forward <laughs> like like 30 seconds. Yeah. So his like whole dream is that he's working to be... Um, uh, a fighter pilot, yeah, right? So fi- yeah, so fighter pilot. And so he's training for it. He's like going on, uh, he's becoming mute so that he can focus fully on like becoming his dreams so that he can get away from his family. And then just casually, this is why I love this movie. Casually, they're in the car and like they just real, like Steve Krell's character is like, you're colorblind. And the guy's like, no, I'm not. And he's like, no, you are. And he's like, and you can't be a fighter pilot colorblind and this boy's world crumbles before you completely collapses completely collapses he's he's it's and it's beautiful because he has not spoken a single word until that final moment when just like everything releases out of him and he's just like screams like fuck (laughs) and you're like oh my god it's incredible it's great yeah it's a great movie i I highly recommend you watching it definitely i will um so now uh king zach's gonna go off again because we did also want to touch on uh there will be blood um which was a big oscar pundit when it came out daniel day lewis another by the way we're very clearly paul dano stands here because he's been talked about so much already he also is in this film um so zach go ahead uh and go off this is his career best performance oh wow i feel like most people when I Liz especially like I think I, <laughs> 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 I think you would uh every podcast I my voice is cracked so I'm just gonna stop talking like that. I've actually Damn. never seen this movie I haven't either and I don't think you have either Michael I haven't either, no. so this is why so pitch you guys haven't pitch, seen. pitch us no. give yeah, us a pitch. good there one. will be blood this me. is Okay, all of the letterbox bros right now are like like griming their teeth, just <laughs> ready for me to. Okay, so this is one of the most perfectly executed films of all time. There is perfect performances. There is amazing set design. There is fantastic cinematography and the story. You get swallowed up in this man's greed to take over this small village. Uh, well, not even a small village. He's basically an oil man. He's trying to dominate the West in its early infancy of 19. Well, it starts in like 1890s and then it goes into the 20s, 30s by the end. And he's an oil tycoon. So he's trying to just wipe small town America off the map. He's very greedy. He's very power hungry. And he is not letting anyone get in his way. There are accidents that go wrong through his oil works. There are relationships that go completely sideways. Um, Daniel Day-Lewis, I would argue this is his best performance too. I mean, he, but he is also a, a, and just uh, an incredible force. I mean, like, I, I love this movie so much. And, and um, I had this at my number four and there's just i mean there's so many reasons i've this is one of the only movies i think i've watched video essays of of them just describe like oh this is visual imagery here and this is this there and his arc there are little subtleties in the beginning here and then it comes up again and i'm like i didn't even think of that and then you notice all these extra details come out 
it's just so thorough and meticulously crafted that it's just one of my favorites like ever so i, I will say he did win the oscar daniel day lewis yeah. so you are paul correct thomas for anderson his, film too yes they also won um the oscar for best achievement in cinematography so which is crazy because who, roger who deakins was shooting no country for old men the same year well and that was a big thing that yeah. that oscar season because they both came out in 2007 and they both have that very like old timey grimy sort of western feel yeah but they're very crime uh based and i mean yeah. i've seen no country and i saw no country for the first time last year and i love that film mm-hmm. which is number one on your list yeah um so one day I, I, I can't wait to watch there will be blood and talk about both of them with you because i would love yeah imagine but, imagine we hate it <laughs> i will cry yeah <laughs> his world will crumble so yes to paul exactly Dano's. i will be paul dano in that too um, um but i was uh, there was another fact with that movie too when so no country for old men and there will be blood were filming not far from each other in physical locations and there's a fire scene and there will be blood that they had to set off so much smoke mm-hmm. on their set and no country for old men had to shoot down or shut down shooting for the day because they could see the smoke wow, it was crazy. really i was like whoa that's a crazy stat and they were both crazy movies that in the crazy. same year zach, so. you re- zach really knows all, <laughs> all the fun facts he knows all the factoids i've got the um, car facts <laughs> the car facts. oh god <laughs> um all right so that was our 40 through 31 now we'll quickly go through 30 through 21 and uh, we'll start talking about those a little bit. So we have number 30 was 20th Century Women from 2016. Number 29 is Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Uh, that's from 2004. Number 28 is Django Unchained from 2012, another Quentin Tarantino joint. Uh, we have 2013's Prisoners. That's number 27. Uh, Shrek from 2001. That's number 26. Number 25 on our list is Midsummer uh, from 2019. Number 24 is Uncut Gems from 2019. Number 23, we have Baby Driver. That's from 2017. Number 22, again, similar to the Harry Potter effect, we have Lord of the Rings Fellowship of the Ring. That came out in 2001. The whole entire uh, trilogy came out in the 2000s, um, but we selected Fellowship for that. And then number 21, we have a film that's also already been talked about a little bit on here. That's Everything Everywhere. All at once, last year's uh, best picture winner from mm-hmm. 2022. So uh, let's dive in. Uh, let's start with the one that everybody wants to talk about, and that's about a green ogre who has many layers named Shrek. And in Shrek, we trust. Liz, <laughs> go off. I am a huge Shrek fan. Um, it is. It it's a perfect it's it's the best animated film ever made. I will make that statement and I will argue with anybody about it. So would anyone care to take the floor and argue with me on that? I love that it's number nine on your list and oops, it's number nine on your list and it's number nine on or number nine on Michael's list was Meet the Robinsons. Oh, so so it's interesting that the parallels there with the animation. I think it's one of the best rom coms ever. Yeah, even aside from it being like an animated feature. And buddy story, like there's so much within this movie, and I don't know how much you guys know about like the backstory, but like they filmed, they did the voice recording, they animated the whole film, and then they started doing the voice recordings, and they got about like 45 percent of the way through with Chris Farley, and then he passed away. Mm-hmm. So this movie was like being developed in the 90s with a whole different person. They bring in Mike Myers, 
uh, Eddie Murphy. Like, everybody else, I think, was already on. Uh, but, like, it. I mean, Shrek Crazy. is great. Shrek is awesome. It's iconic. It also still holds up. Like, I literally, I actually watch it, like, more than most people probably <laughs> Like it's literally one of those. It's things. an unhealthy obsession. No, it's it's just one of those things that like if I'm ever like oh god I don't want to have to like pay attention, I'll say to Tyler I'll be like Shrek and he's like no. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. But I do want to talk about with Michael. So Michael has Shrek and Shrek Two on his list, I do. but he has Shrek Two higher. So I please do. take the floor. Yes, yes. So first, I can I can agree that Shrek is probably the best animated mu- movie mm-hmm. of all time. The only movie I could think that may kind of like kind of compete with that is um, Spider Verse. It's exactly the Spider Verse. <laughs> you were gonna say <laughs> I, I am Miles Morales. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but um, I yes, no. Shrek is fantastic. I love it in the sense of parody. I feel like it is the best example. Everything in that movie, even if you just like freeze every like frame of that movie, you'll see like, oh snap, they have Starbucks, but it's I, like it's it's like, right? like fairy star or right? something like, like that. Yes. It's so good. It's so genius. It's so smart. And um it's it's funny because yes, um I love Shrek, but to be honest, I think that Shrek 2 is the better movie. Okay. I do. I love both movies so much, um, but I think it's just the direction that they took with Shred 2 that I just think is crazy. And it's like they kind of like up, not only up the states a little bit more, but they brought in a few more like, like Puss in Boots I being know. introduced in that movie. Yes. And then like Shred becoming a man. I think that's <laughs> hilarious. A donkey, a donkey becoming a horse. A stallion. A stallion in yeah, particular. Yeah, it's so funny. It's so like. I will say Shrek 2, the fairy godmother, yes. is like the epitome of everything that you could ever want as like a villain who's Meryl not really Street. comes up. Yeah. Like, and the is main... it Meryl Streep? No, it's, no, the, it's, it's not. It's the parody. Oh, okay. Like, um, but the music breaks. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, the musical the, elements of Shrek 2 are phenomenal. First of all, the music in Shrek, in the original Shrek and Shrek 2, like you could just listen to that soundtrack and live your best life. But specifically the fairy godmothers like singing at the end. So oh great. my God. And like, I will say, I sometimes get mad about this, that it's not available, that version on Apple Music or Spotify. Right. It's do. not. No, I can't find that. it anywhere. You can only find it on YouTube. But like, who listens to music on YouTube? Liz does every day of the week. <laughs> you know where else? I, I have the DVD. And it's on the DVD. I do too. Out. I do too. Get out. Yeah. Get out. I love. I love both animated movies. On. I love. I love both Shrek and Shrek too. Uh, I think the one element of the first Shrek that I love too. I think Lord Farquaad is like one of the funniest characters in the history mm-hmm. of cinema. Like, the oh my god, the scene where he has to pick, um, the princess. The, the princess, princess <laughs> is like still to this day. I could break that scene down, and it would be like. Top five funniest scenes I've ever seen. Yeah. Like pick number three, pick my lord. No, and he's like, like holding up two, or yeah. he's holding up two. He's like it, pick number three, my it's, lord. It's, it's, it's so it's so great. So good. Uh, oh my god. They don't make they don't make animated films like Shrek anymore. They don't. And that's the problem. That's why we just got to keep watching it. Exactly. I was gonna say too. Um, if you were to go one on one soundtracks, I mean, you got Smash Mouth versus Rob Thomas for what? Meet the Robinsons. That's tough. That is a tough. Whew, 
Smash Mouth might have the edge. I might listen. I, think so. I might listen yeah. to both of them every morning that I wake up. I'm gonna listen to I'm it sorry. on my way home tonight. I love that so much. <laughs> All right, so the second film we're gonna talk about in this tier is a movie that I really appreciate. I think it's super. I shouldn't even say underrated because I feel like a lot of people have seen this movie and it's because of the star. But it's something that so much of this is driven by the lead performance, at least for me, where why it was so high on my list as well as the direction. But Uncut Gems, which came out a few years ago. Uh, Adam Sandler plays this uh, really awful human being who works in the Diamond District in New York. And I believe it has like the third most F words in the history of cinema. Like it like surpassed like Wolf of Wall Street. And it's directed by the Safdie brothers who are like two, like one of my favorite directors ever. Um, And there's something about like, and when I explain this movie, so I'm going to pitch it for whoever hasn't seen this movie. And usually when I do this, they're like, yeah, it doesn't sound like something I'd be interested in, but it's like the definition of watching a movie that is an anxiety attack. Like Mm -hmm. that is what this film is. And you're on the edge of anxiety hey. attack there you go <laughs> literally um Whoa. oh boy How we that? <laughs> we're just gonna keep rolling so <laughs> just keep going welcome so, to kind of you live. guys just saw um exactly what happens sometimes when you record and that's totally fine but basically uh this film is I think he's having an anxiety. I don't know where to go from here. (laughs) Holy crap. So pitch me, pitch as if I've never seen Uncut Gems. Please pitch it to me. Thank you. So Adam Sandler plays this guy who works in the Diamond District, and he's like a really big piece of shit human being. And he has like a family, and he basically like pimps himself up. Like he wears Gucci, and he's wearing like these expensive, this expensive jewelry. And he's selling, like, diamond out, like, Furbies to, like, NBA players. And it's, again, it's this film that is just so anxiety-inducing. And you're on the edge of your seat the whole entire time for a film that doesn't have a crazy amount of, like, action. And it's not something where you're, like, relying on, like, a character death or people, like, actually, like, fighting one another. And there are some, like, fighting scenes in the film, so to speak. But it's conflict. It's just true conflict. But the guy is so slimy and there's so much about his decision making that is like the definition of poor that every single time he makes another decision, you're like yelling at the television or you're yelling at the movie screen. Like you're like, what are you doing? dude? Like you just had an out. And there's something about uh, Adam Sandler, who is, again, such a comedic force, like for so many years and people recognize him for doing things like Hubie Halloween on Netflix. And then he turns around and does this. He won the independent spirit award for this film mm-hmm. robbed of an Oscar. At least not. I thought he was going to get nominated. I, I, I didn't think he was going to win. He's never been nominated. Other films that he's done really good dramatic work, like rain over me and mm-hmm. things like punch drunk love. He's never been nominated, but uncut gems. And again, like the work of the direction and the editing, being able to keep you on the edge of your seat the whole time, just when so much of the film was based in conversation uh, is why I think it is worthy of a spot in the top 50 and in the top 30 in particular. I think I had this one within uh, where did I have this one. I had a number five on my list. So it just cracked my top five. And I have any comments about uncut gems. Um, I do think it's a really, really good movie. Um, I remember it honestly surprised me when I saw um, Adam Sandler's performance. 
um i was like this is like the same guy that was in jack and jill <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like this is like what's going on here um but no it's so good um every actor in that movie played their part honestly even um who was it? Who who is Kevin? Was it Kevin Garnett? Who was Kevin it? Garnett? Is yeah, the star, he was yeah. in that. And so much like, of this cast is not are not actors. Yeah, like it was the first thing Julia Fox had ever done, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, then like all the people he talks to in the Diamond District are all real people that mm-hmm. work in the Diamond District. Yeah. So and then the first performance for Kevin Garnett, but yeah, and then honestly, I just I I um I got to give my flowers to the Safdie brothers. I just I feel like they're just great great directors. Good time is oh, one of another so great films. It was also on my top 50, I think. That too. was on my list too, yeah. yeah. That's a great movie and um and honestly they 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 do amazing amazing work and so I feel like I can agree this being I could see this being in that list. Awesome. Mm-hmm. I like that. Have you seen Uncut Gems? I have. You and have? I agree with all everything that you guys have to say. It was um I can't remember. I think I might have seen Good Time before I saw that this one actually. Mm-hmm. It came um, out before it too. Yeah so, yeah, so I think I already knew that like I, I kind of was like, oh, this is definitely like their vibe um of just like on the edge of your seat the whole time and like not letting off the gas at all for their audience. Um yeah, I re- I I I agree. It did not make my list, but Good Time did. Okay. Should we move on? Yeah, you can move on. All right. Yeah. Let's do number 20 all the way to 11. We're almost Let's at the top 10. All right. Number 20 is Avengers Endgame. Uh, that's from 2019. Number 19 is The Florida Project. That's from 2017. Number 18 is Manchester by the Sea from 2016. No Country for Old Men, which we talked a little bit about from 2007. That's number 17. Sound of Metal is number 16. That's from 2019. Silver Linings Playbook comes in at number 15. That's from 2012. A Best Picture winner in 2016, Moonlight. That's number 14 on our list. The 2006 Best Picture winner, The Departed. That's number 13 on our list. Gone Girl from 2014 is number 12. And another Tarantino movie makes the list. I think it's our last one. It is Inglorious Bastards from 2009. So, um, Michael, let's start with you. Did you... um? Were there one of these we the two that we had picked previously we were going to talk about were Sound of Metal or and The Departed, are either one of the, the either one of those crack your list? Uh, they didn't honestly. I haven't even seen Sound of Metal. I'm going to be completely honest. I remember seeing a lot of promo promo for it and it, it looked incredible, but I never got the chance to see it. And um, the The Departed, I honestly, it's been a long time that I've seen it, so it's like I I, I remember being in the movie, but I I not enough in my memory that i could put it on a list okay liz do you want to start with sound of metal yeah so sound of metal made my number 14 on my list um you should watch it i feel like you would actually really like it yeah you'd love it um it's just a really great film i mean it kind of happens in the first like 10 minutes so i don't really think it's a huge spoiler but it's pretty much about um a heavy like metal drummer who slowly starts to lose his um hearing and how he has to come to terms with it. Um, and so that's just like a hard thing to accept for him. And then it's the story of him learning to accept this. Um, I think it's so beautiful. The last like five minutes was my favorite part of the film. Um, and I feel like sometimes not a lot of people say that about films of like, ooh, the last like second was my favorite. It was absolutely my favorite. I think it summed it up perfectly in like a beautiful bow. Um, yeah, I, I I love it. 
I love it. I think it also does a really nice job of um, bringing in ASL and incorporating that. Uh, yeah. Beautiful film. Zach, did you have something to add? The Sound of Metal? Yeah. The, the Sound of Metal, there was just a lot that went into that. Um, it was another character study kind of piece. And then there's it's it's a lot similar to the wrestler actually i would say it's like very docu style and very observational of him going about his daily life now and he's changing his routines so it's really affecting his i mean he has to upend his entire life and change it and adjust it because he's now handicapped and he's deaf um and then it is i feel like it's even similar to the wrestler in a way where it he he all he has is drumming and making a living off of drumming so he has to come to terms that he can't do it to the fullest extent anymore but he's trying to find workarounds but yeah it's very touching <clears throat> it goes into the asl community a lot um and then a lot of deaf communities that i didn't really know there were like outreach programs for and, and that was very enlightening too so i love that they got into those details too yeah i thought riz ahmed's performance is remarkable in this oh, yeah. movie um, he was nominated for yeah, an Oscar. And and I know that um I think this was nominated for a few too. It was nominated got. for six total and they won two. They won for Did best Did Paul Racy win for this? No, he was nominated. No, right? he was nominated, but they won for best sound and then best um achievement in film editing. Okay. So yeah, I mean the movie again, it's like a technological achievement as well. Um but it's a movie that I feel like a lot of people haven't seen and it's available on Amazon because it's an Amazon original movie, I believe. Like they put the funding up for it and bought mm-hmm. it at one of the festivals, um, but you would definitely really really enjoy the movie. And I want to say one more thing yeah, about yeah. it. Um, something that I think also really stuck out to me now that I'm just thinking about it because I haven't seen it in a while is I feel like a lot of films when they're uh, focusing on uh, like the deaf community, they just make it silent. This they were able to make it sound like muffled. So that like slowly you would be like, oh, so this is what his hearing is like now versus when he damaged it even more, how it got worse. So that I think is really cool because rather than just being like, oh, he's going deaf, cut out all sound. They slowly had the audience going through what he was hearing at the same time. Yeah, there's a lot of magnificent work in terms of the sound design of this movie, for sure, because it plays such a big part in not only his story and his relationship to music and his relationship to being able to hear but his relationship to how that kind of helps him along his journey. And he has to learn through ASL how to be one with himself and be one with the world. So it's highly recommend. You would really like it. I think you'd really like it. Um, the Departed. So this was high up on my list. Um, I'm just double checking. This was number four on my list. Uh, it finally won Martin Scorsese uh, a best picture. And it finally won him a best director Oscar. He's one of my favorite directors of all time. Um, And though this, which is so crazy because so many of his films are original. This is a remake, which is ironic. Uh, Infernal Affairs, right? Is the movie that I think it remade, I believe. Um, Internal Affairs. Internal Affairs? Based off of uh, another foreign Another foreign language. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so this movie is like, talk about like cast like what an insane cast of personalities. And the craziest thing is it only got one 
nomination in terms of acting and i thought it was like for all the performances it was like it was okay but like 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 mark Wahlberg is good in the movie he's the one who i'm alluding to but leonardo dicaprio matt damon jack nicholson martin sheen um who am i from? dude there's so many people alec in this baldwin. movie alec baldwin's fantastic in this uh vera farmiga is great in this movie like there's so much in terms of the acting and there's an insane twist again it's a it's a it's an older movie i'm not going to spoil it um just if you haven't seen the departed th- there's so much there in terms of um these two characters in uh leonardo dicaprio's billy costigan and matt damon's uh character whose name is escaping me right now um but they're two characters they kind of flip lives and you see um, one of them goes to the academy and one is undercover as a police officer who's working for the Irish mob. And uh, that is for Jack Nicholson's character who's based largely on Whitey Bulger. And Jack Nicholson is unbelievable in this movie. And there's so many scenes in this that are unscripted um, and improvised that are just add to the story and kind of heighten it. And then at the same time, the script for this movie is also incredible and the actors are able to play to it so well um, that it feels like this like wide expansive beautiful array of just talent all across the board which is why it was so high on my list and it was high on our collective list but um any of you guys want to add to it anything so i've seen this movie but it's been a very long time which is why i think i kind of like overlooked it um so i feel like it's time for me to go watch it again okay do a little rewatch zach anything yeah um I feel like this is one of the most overlooked Scorsese movies too. I feel like a lot of people's first thought of Scorsese is Goodfellas or Casino or those like Raging Bull. Yeah. Yeah. yeah those really early picks like Taxi Driver. Mm-hmm. Um, but The Departed is if he were to only make this movie or if this was his best movie, it would still be so high on a lot of lists. Um, but yeah, the cast for it to have that ensemble and that level of intensity that everyone brought to that, I can't believe that they only got a limited amount of knobs. I know. It's so it's crazy. So crazy to me. Um, any more in that, in that sort of 10 that we wanted to touch on briefly? Not for me. No Florida project. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a good, it's a good indie film. It's a great indie film. Yeah, yeah. I love it. it I love it. It's I've a been... great like fly on the wall sort of. <laughs> I mean, I could I could talk about. It oh, we can't. No, we can move on. That's fine. Um, Was there anything? Oh, Eternal Sunshine. Did we skip that? I think we did skip that one. But but Endgame's in this one. Um, yes. And um, I, honestly, just yeah, just to show the love tomorrow, just because I feel like um, between. What was it the twentieth? Number twenty, it? yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, between the um, two thousand to now period, I feel like Marvel has obviously made a major, major whatever word you want to use in that sentence because I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> <laughs> um, they've just been on the scene and they've done a lot. Um, and I feel like Endgame. Um, I, I I definitely can see this being in as high as it is i think infinity war is the better movie mm. and i know you agree with that i mean i think you yes agree with that i think it's a better movie just endgame to me is like the culmination of the whole entire universe exactly essentially. exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. um but exactly how you put it like that i feel like um it, in terms of 
um, Marvel setting up that ten year, um, that ten year phase of really just building out, you know, all this movie, this whole, all these phases and this the saga. I think that's what they refer to it. Um, it's it's it kind of shaped. I feel like a lot for franchises. Um, you know, in terms of storytelling, um, connecting movies with one another. Um, and I feel like Endgame was definitely the uh the closure to what we'll never see again sadly in a marvel saga um and that's what makes it so much more um just you know worthy of being in this list and just just a, a good film um, yeah but yeah i feel like we had to talk about marvel. no i agree yeah. it's a really good conclusion to this thing that seemed so unparalleled for such a long time yeah. Um, and they were able to kind of wrap it up in a way that I feel like a lot of people were satisfied with. Yeah, for sure. So, mm-hmm. all right, we've made it to the top 10, everybody. Um, bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> all right. So here we go. Number 10 on our list is La La Land from 2016, the film that won best picture and then didn't. Um, <laughs> number nine is the Wolf of Wall Street from 2013. Another Martin Scorsese film. Number eight is the Dark Knight. In 2008, that's the second in the uh, Christopher Nolan trilogy. Number seven is Get Out, the debut film from Jordan Peele. That's from 2017. Number six is Birdman, the or the Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance from 2014, from Alejandro G. Inuritu. And then our top five, we have Inception, which came out in 2010, another Christopher Nolan film. Number four is The Social Network, another movie that came out in 2010. That was from um, David Fincher. Excuse me. Uh, number three is Waves from 2019. Uh, that was Trey Edward Schultz, I believe. Uh, number two is Whiplash from 2014. That's a Damien Chazelle joint. And number one on our list, and it was on all four of our lists, is uh, a Best Picture winner foreign language film, Parasite, from Bong Joon-ho, which I believe won Best Picture in the last Oscars pre-COVID, I think. Yes, I think so. Like right before everything shut down. So we're going to try our best to briefly cover as many in the top 10 as we can. But I just wanted to start with um, Inception. Uh, Because to me, Inception is a movie that I saw the movie four times in theaters, which is still the record for me personally that I've seen a movie in theaters. Um, And I've seen that movie probably like 25 times at this point. And, uh, it's a movie that I feel like it still holds up despite being able to understand what the twists are. It's such a complex movie and it's again, like such a showcase for like Tom Hardy. I didn't know previously before I saw inception. Like I think he had done Bronson and a couple other things before it, but he's fantastic. And it, uh, Killian Murphy has a really great role in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, it's led by Leo, uh, Elliot page. And um, there's just, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, too. Like, I feel like I haven't seen Joseph Gordon-Levitt do something as good as he is in this movie besides Looper in, like, so long. And I, 500 Days of Summer? Are you kidding? No, he's great. He's great. But that's a different vibe. We're talking about, like, that. I mean, I guess that's more dramatic, right? That's a dramatic. That's, like, a pretty intense film, honestly. I guess that's it's true. Very, it's not like a ha-ha. Like, that's, that's... Yeah, no, that's real. That's real life. Yeah, it's real. Yes. It has its moments, but, like... But it is pretty, like, hard-hitting. The ending's heavy. Yeah, it is yeah. heavy. But Inception, anyway. <laughs> Inception is a movie. Inception is a movie that I really appreciate, and I'm happy it made our top five. So, is there another one that uh, was in our top ten, Michael, that you wanted to cover? Um, you know, 
the the only one right now that I think 100 actually no there's a couple all of these movies deserve to be in the top 10 um but two that I think definitely needed to be here and one of which I'll talk a little bit about Get Out is fantastic Get Out is a phenomenal movie. Really Shout is. out Jordan Peele. That is that is a great guy. Keep doing what you're doing. What an incredible uh, like debut, right? Too. Right. Like, for that to be your first film, right? And I, I have appreciated us. I like Nope a little more. Mm-hmm. I think that Get Out is like way beyond those two films. So beyond, just like like psychologically, like it is like so just like genius while also like tying in just like society in such like a a unique way like everything he does i feel like is just unique and and it, it's cool to see especially just like his his story jordan peele's story yeah in the sense of coming from key and peele and you know seeing both of them where they're at now mm-hmm. like, you know and so i feel like that adds just a little bit more to it um, but I the, the movie I was really going to acknowledge even more than that is Waves, number three in this list. I don't know if we were going to wait to talk about no, that. No, we can go. I, go I would love it. you to go talk on. about it. Oh, my gosh. Waves. I remember um, I remember seeing the trailer for Waves when it came out. And Waves, I bet then, I had like kind of I knew about A24, um, but I like didn't fully know about A24 at that point. Um, and so I remember Waze was like one of the first things that like real that got me to realize like oh snap this is like a legit like they're like serious and then I like took a step back and realized everything else that they had already released at that point and I was like where have I been um, but Waves genuinely I feel like at all angles is just a fantastic film I feel mm-hmm. like um, from the acting the storytelling um, a lot of the editing um there's like a i'm not i don't want to spoil anything because i know you still haven't I'm seen i'm the it. only one who hasn't seen it here on the panel Ooh. i know yeah i know <laughs> boo away oh, yeah. <laughs> oh no but um there are there are significant parts in that film that really just completely change like the film and everything that mm-hmm. you thought you were watching um and it's so many just different it it doesn't it's one film but it feels like there's so many different films and you know yeah, yeah. no like, it literally feels like you go through like three different films yeah. it's like the beginning of like oh family drama and like family problems mm-hmm. and then you go to like actual tragic like problematic like issues in the world and then it goes to like young love and like mm-hmm. having perils mel- of like love. Yeah, yeah like melancholy <laughs> feeling and you're just like wait what like how did we get here right. from where we started but you're also like but i love it and i want to keep going mm-hmm. and like i i want to know like you get invested in these characters and you're just like oh no like that i don't want that to happen to them but yeah. like like it went that way and it's so real Mm -hmm. and like uh like like how you said it's like you don't want it to go that way but it's like one of those like expect the unexpected i guess things because it it certain things just come out of nowhere um another thing about that um that movie is the soundtrack i feel like that's an underrated part about that movie Mm -hmm. the soundtrack is really um really good not only good but just modern i feel like Without being cheesy. Yeah, exactly. I, I agree. I think you know? this is one of the films that really leans into, like, the younger millennial, like, Gen Z age without being, like, 
ooh, I'm going to do some TikTok dances and stuff like that. Exactly. Like it really is just like, no, this is what it's like to like grow up in this time. Mm-hmm. And actually what it's like to grow up in this time, not just like, oh, let's have some like texting clips. It's like, Mm -hmm. how do you have like friendships and romance relationships when you're younger in high school? And how do you like, like have a relationship with your parents even when you have all these pressures from all ends coming at you? Yeah. No, it's beautiful. I love that movie. So good. So good. I was so happy that you guys like had this on your list Mm -hmm. and just love this movie too because when this is a lot like parasite in a way of when it hits that midpoint it everything unravels and and it goes through those two or three different types of movies the characters are great the acting is great the soundtrack is awesome it it, i do love like everything about this movie and i would recommend that (laughs) it was number five on michael's list number 11 on liz's number 16 on zach's so top tier definitely so if you guys haven't checked out waves join me as i cry myself to sleep tonight that i still haven't watched it because the thing is i remember watching the trailer for it too and i would love frank ocean and that trailer hit me so hard and i was like i can't wait to see this movie and i missed it i missed out on it and now i have to watch it you can go watch it i'm gonna watch it now i have to um liz is there one that uh you wanted to cover I do, but not in like a positive way. I completely disagree with La La Land being in top 10. I really did not love that movie. I think it was super overrated. I think people just wanted to say that they liked it because some critics in the beginning said that it was super pretentious and like very artsy, like film house film. But I don't really like it. So hard, hard pass. Okay. So it should be embraced debate a little bit. <laughs> um, I love this movie, but I think it's it's the first musical that I've seen in a really long time, with the exception of Rent, because I just have like a very personal connection to that story. I just this is like did, my favorite I didn't musical. Expect you to no, say not that. a Rent reference at this point, this long into the podcast. But La La Land is similar to me, like how I felt when I saw like Singing in the Rain for the first time, because it just affected me in a way that it felt very old hollywood and i really appreciated that aspect of it but at the same time it felt very original because it was original and um coming off of uh whiplash it was just such a crazy shift like yes it had to do with music but he went from like this very personal story that he wrote a short film about in chazelle which again we're all big pundits of whiplash on here it's number two on our list um but he was able to make this remarkable jump in my opinion, like in terms of like everything, in terms of the casting, in terms of the production design, in terms of uh, how the story took place. And it, it, I think a lot of people think it's a paint by number story, which I guess in the bare bones of it, it is, but he's able to weave in so much by the music. There's so much that is, and the choreography too, I think is so essential to the movie. So that's my take on it. Why I think it's so I I'm just double checking where it was on my personal list. Um, I had it number 30, so I didn't have it crazy high. Ooh, who had it really high on their list? Then we have this um, high up. Zach had it number 28. I had a 12. Michael had a 12. Okay. So, and again, remember in the point system, it did get to number 10, so it wasn't in the top five, but three of us did have it on our right, list. Pretty high up there. It got the point scale higher. Did either of you guys want to add to The La La Land? 
Yeah, I I really liked La La Land when I initially saw it, um, but it, it, I understand like the positioning of it at number ten, but I you know it is a simpler story of love and finding out that not everything is meant to be. Um, but I I also with DJ felt the same of just it was a very personal story and. I did like how it was speaking to artists in a way of, you know, always trying to push your limits and continue to do your passions. Um, even if it, not, not that, not that I agree with it, but you know, they sacrifice their relationship for their careers and that happens a lot. So that's what I really liked with it. And I thought it was, um, bold that they did something like that. Cause I hadn't really seen a lot of sacrificial, career movies i guess in a way but um and then they incorporate a lot of the jazz elements to it which they had in whiplash and yeah just the pr production value alone that was one of the movies i didn't feel like we would see again in theaters so that's something that really resonated with me i was like wow they really went for the old time feel they tried to make it a little bit more modern but they yeah they went for something that was a very well cared for and known to audiences but they had an original take on it so michael anything yeah no i mean i i had it my i had it pretty high up so i probably <laughs> should say something <laughs> um yeah no i um i agree with both of you t um you guys about as far as the um just that old hollywood feel um i really appreciated that that old hollywood feel um i'm a, I, I enjoy musicals um I mean, I enjoy music, so I'm I'm always you know curious just to see different ways that music is, is incorporated into film, whether it's musical or whatever. Um, and I feel like, in the sake of music and choreography and all of that, I feel like like it was really good. I feel like um, like all of that just hit like was really good. Um, and um, it's funny. I remember watching that movie with I forget who exactly I watched it with, but whoever I did. Um, would not go would kept going on and on about how much how mad the ending made them and like it almost like to the point where it ruined everything like the last five minutes of that film ruined everything they had watched pr like prior to that and i remember sitting back and like being like what no because i thought it, i loved the ending honestly i feel like la la land the way it ended just felt so real and was so different than what we had seen in typical musicals even at that point but honestly just like that happy to let it go the way it did i feel like was so different and a little bit groundbreaking and to a degree to a certain degree um and that's why i think i had it so high up um but it didn't it didn't have to be that high up <laughs> it had to be that high up <laughs> It was kind of too high. <laughs> See, so it shouldn't have made top ten. I do. Th I think the ending. The ending is interesting though too because I feel like that's definitely the most divisive part of the film. At least in my experience of like having conversations with people that don't like it, usually they're like, "Well, the ending was terrible, and I didn't like how it ended." See, I like the ending. I just think these two characters were completely unlikable, and uh, like I didn't have any empathy for them. Mm, okay. Which like that's a huge thing for me is like if you're gonna be. Uh, not that they're like problematic characters, but I think that they're supposed to be a little bit like, oh, do you like them? Are they kind of assholey because they're artists like that vibe? You need to have a core thing that gets the audience to want to like be on their side. And I, I didn't yeah. I was not on either person's side. So then I was like, go, go ruin your lives. <laughs> <laughs>
That's a good point though, because I did realize that Mia was a little selfish on a rewatch. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, in the there's that one argument scene where the record stops, and the, it, I I love that scene. But at, when I first watched it, I was like, oh, Ryan Gosling, you shouldn't have said some of those things. But then afterwards, I was like. No, Mia is not really that great and mm-hmm. saying some of that. And I'm like, you're not really helping him out or supporting him either. So that I kind of see that. And they are both selfish in their own right um, to certain extents. But like they're not the damnable selfishness, but they're not necessarily likable. So I, I agree with you on that. Yeah. That's my take. Zach, so. do you want to start our discussion on the number one film? Parasite. Parasite. I, I like guess we, we have should to, talk about it. Let's talk. Let's our- talk about it. So, just recapping before we wrap up this episode, um, Liz had Parasite number eighteen on her list. Michael had Parasite number eighteen on his list. Ooh, I okay. had Parasite <laughs> number thirteen on my personal list, and Zach had it at number two. So, I do think it is oh, Zach, perfect for Zach. To, okay. to, to, it jumpstarted okay. this conversation, but again, we all obviously had a very strong connection to this film. Um, so, Zach, you go on ahead, buddy. I saw this movie in 2019. I saw a double feature of The Lighthouse and. <laughs> parasite which one did you see first i saw the lighthouse first and i was like that was crazy that's a lot to unpack but it was great like i i like that movie i don't know how other people digested that movie but i was like dang that was that was good that was gonna be hard to top and then i go into parasite knowing nothing about it watching zero trailers i'm like okay all right i'm watching like 30 40 minutes and i'm like okay yeah this is cool like the funny family like they're getting back at them revenge and then that midpoint comes and oh my god you're like okay whoa where am i going oh man this is a roller coaster they go into societal themes class themes with visuals with story with writing i mean that that film also solidified korean entertainment for american audiences for a lot of pe- for a lot of reasons and a lot of people and it really, especially winning an Oscar too, it really showed that, you know, there are so many filmmakers from Korea and that part of the world that deserve to have their voices um, spoken in, in film and TV. So it was just incredible for that to be in a theater and coming out with that. I was like, I've never seen anything like that in theaters since. And I don't know if I will in a way. But that was my my starter on the conversation. What do you guys think? I think that um, I remember the first time I saw this movie too, and it was uh, sometimes leading up to the Oscars. If there's a couple films that I haven't seen yet, and they just happen to wind up on streaming, I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll watch them the days leading up. And usually, the last few years, especially, there's one that I'll watch like right before the mm-hmm. Academy Awards. Like I will watch the film for the first time. And it will end, and there will be about 25 to 30 minutes before the telecast starts. Oh, so you mean right away? Right before. Wow, okay. Parasite was this film for me, the year of the Academy Awards. And I was so happy that I got to watch it right before that, so I could kind of revel in that feeling that so many people in the film industry felt about this movie and the connection they had to it. And that was solidified in a different way when I um, um, was a video production teacher in a high school and in uh, one of my film classes, I got to show them this film and the same point to that Zach made when the mid part of this movie hits, especially when I'm in a, a room full of teenagers and that happens 
and then the bell rings perfectly as soon as the twist happens it was like one of the greatest feelings ever yeah because they're like we're not going to class like we're watching <laughs> i was like no we'll see you next class but there's a lot to talk about and i remember having like a 35 minute discussion about just getting to that point and what that meant for the film and the overall just not only message of what the movie was trying to get in terms of like classism and things like that, but how the whole movie flips on its head. It reminds me of like the, like a visual representation of like an hourglass. It's like you're, you're leaning down, you're leaning down. It's like, Oh, this is a nice movie. And then it immediately flips. And then Mm -hmm. you're like, wait, the stakes just completely changed. What just happened? Time is running out. What is going on? And again, I don't want to spoil this movie because it's still relatively new. And if you guys Ha- are not on the train you guys haven't seen parasite yet it's like just so good you have to see this movie it's it's remarkable it's, uh, i know you know i remember when i saw it i i also got to watch it right before it won um best picture um but it was also after the fact so it was definitely on like a i think it just got on hulu at the time or yeah. something like that like when a week I watched. before the oscars I think yeah, it got on hulu. yeah. Mm-hmm. and i remember i watched it and i can fully admit that prior to that watch i was uneducated and just um ignorant when it came to to watching korean films mm-hmm. and you know and everything and i remember i watched that film and that midpoint happened, you know, like we all we all got to, and um, I was I was genuinely blown away by by the storytelling. It was one of the best stories I had seen in so long, like so long, um, and it just kept getting better towards the end and the things it covered. Um, and then I remember I went back and I decided I was like, let me let me just let me check out a couple more other, like some other things, and I was like, oh snap, like like Korean films are really just like like that, like they're yeah. really like. Like the yeah. screenwriting is just like phenomenal, and it's like like I I it really that put me on Parasite for sure. I was one of those people that was for sure put on, um, and I'm grateful for that. And it's and in, in, in alone, you know. Um, but aside from that, you know, it was just genuinely such a good movie. Um, and uh, yeah, that's it. I think it it deserves to be number one. I'm okay with it being yeah. where it's at. <laughs> Liz? I agree. I agree with everything you guys said. Um, so like in comparison to like La La Land, this film, I feel like does such a great job of making the audience care about its characters for like every single one. It's not just like one that you're like, Oh, whatever. Who cares? if like anything happens to anybody else. I just want that one person to like be okay at the end of it. I feel like the whole time you're like, well, that person's kind of funny. Like, I really don't want, like, anything, like, horrible to, like, happen to them. Or, like, I understand why they did that. So I feel like, yes, to the screenplay, but then also to the actors, they make their... It was just incredible acting of really bringing these these characters to life and making them feel real and not just, like, a film about people just to tell the story. They made them actual meaty people that you you cared about so yeah sure all right i think that's it we wrapped up guys we just talked about so many movies so many so many movies hopefully you all after this feel a little more enlightened and you can go and watch these films on streaming services by the physical media on blu-ray dvd whatever um I had a lot of fun talking about our favorite movies from the last 22 years. I know. This was a lot of fun. Um, Again, guys, be sure to check out all our personal lists as well as all of the daily selections we had from 50 all the way to one at Cinema Wave Media on Instagram. 
Uh, just signing off. I am Darian Scalamoni. I'm Michael Penniston. I'm Liz Seiko. And I'm on the mic. <laughs> <laughs> Zach Miller on the mic. And thank you guys for tuning in. And we'll see you guys soon. <laughs>